Hello, friends. Welcome to the offseason and welcome to the first episode of Radio Free Mavericks, your offseason locker room based podcast where we will be chatting with fans, getting mad at Donnie Nelson, and enjoying just the the lack of basketball for the moment as we uh you know look ahead with what could happen what's what has happened what we don't want to happen we're really gonna you know start start with uh you know bringing the fire so uh i would appreciate it if uh, you guys came up on stage and started you know let's let's have some discussions let's ask some questions let's uh let's enjoy ourselves a little bit this is a condensed off season to a degree uh, with the Mavericks exiting the first round. Basketball won't really resume for uh, for the Mavericks until late September, I think is is when Shams tweeted when uh, training camp would start. But there's a lot of of, you know, Dallas adjacent things happening in the meantime. So uh, now that we've had a couple of days off and, and by a couple of days off, I mean a couple of days to get very mad on Twitter. Uh, let's start with our first, uh, <laughs> let's start with our first guest. How are we, friend? Long time listener, first time caller, five four two twenty. How are you? Doing wonderful. Um, expecting some big movements in the off season, and I'm just looking forward to, um, your opinion on the playmaker and role man position, and that's it. So, by playmaker and role man, are you talking people that the Mavericks might be interested in, or like the roster as? Well, there is no playmaker or a role man on this roster. I don't think. <laughs> so that's pretty brutal. That's pretty brutal. Okay, well let's let's just kind of start with that then. Um, I think the the in, in terms of of playmaker, you know. There's going to be some larger names out there. Uh, I I think once Mavericks fans really start looking at things, Kyle Lowry is going to become uh, very uh, like kind of a hopeful position, even though he's you know 35 years old. I think fans are really going to get lusty about Chris Paul, who uh, is is looking for kind of a three year deal at at you know 20 million a year, but he's basically my age, which is a bit of a gamble. So is Kyle Lowry. Uh, saw a friend of the show, Dalton Trigg, get really excited. He just is really into um, our man down in San Antonio, uh, DeMar DeRozan, who I am not particularly a fan of uh, just because of his style of play. He's a really good scorer, though, so there's something there. Um, I sort of hope that that the secondary ball handler, it, you know, that the Heat move on from somebody like, like Luka's countryman, Goran Dragic, because he sort of checks off multiple boxes for me in that he can really probably only play about 40 to 50 games because he plays like a lunatic and gets hurt. But he's also a veteran presence, heck of a ball handler, heck of a score, um, really crafty. He used to be kind of wildly athletic. I just, I've, I've always liked Goran Dragic's game. So that, that's someone that I'm, I'm looking for. Um, the role man, you know, kind of the, the big guy position, there's a lot of ways Dallas could go if they want. I'm of the opinion that big men is kind of the, the one market inefficient or uh, like the, the where there's more guys than there are spots. Um, and so if, if you look at who Dallas is likely to, to uh, who's like under contract, I want to say, and I don't, I should have this in front of me. I should be better prepared. 
So you're going to have Dwight Powell. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is on a $4 million team option. And feelings aside on Willie Cauley-Stein, like $4 million for a seven-footer who's athletic is is kind of hard to, to pass up, even though I'm not the biggest fan. Um, you can uh, technically put Dwight Powell I'm sorry, not Dwight Powell, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Maxi Kleba in like those positions. But I think we would all agree that that's not really what their primary role is. And so like dudes that are available, I'm actually not that sure because I agree that that's a pretty key position for the Mavericks to to have like just a, an energetic big man. But I'm not sure what who's available and who would fit because uh, you know, some of us are fans of Rashawn Holmes, but I don't really think I think he's going to command a little like more money than the Mavericks are going to want to pay. Um, I also don't necessarily put him as like a role man guy. He's just like a utilitarian big man who's good at a lot of stuff. Um, I saw a real like like a chaos like just pure chaos trade proposal that would send Porzingis to um, Sacramento for Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald. And and just like the like the rage that that would provoke from both fan bases would be really funny. Uh, I, I I do I did just love the concept though because Marvin Bagley is such a magnificent second jump. He's like six foot eleven. Sean uh, um um uh, uh, Sean Marion in that regard, like second jump is just something I've always been very interested in. And offensive rebounding is is just something I think Dallas you know could stand to get better at. Uh, but they don't even really try that hard with it. So that's kind of that's kind of my first initial uh, uh, foray into it. But knowing the Mavericks and what they've done, and just kind of their rot, their salary cap situation, they're going to have to get extremely creative. Um, do, does that answer the the question to you know at least start to, or or would you like something else? My man here. Um. Yes. Um. No. It's my fault. I'm stuck with my child. Um. I was thinking maybe. Somewhere like in the middle, in between players, like uh, uh, like tier four players, or, you okay. know, tier three instead of tier anybody one. Anybody you tier anybody two. you really like? Um, I was, I, I really don't care <laughs> to, be, to be funny about it, but uh, just want somebody. Uh, you just want someone else, though. I just don't new. want to spend thirty million on someone and and they don't perform. And I'd rather have two 15 million players that, yeah. you know, I'm just more conservative like that. So, sure. Well, um, I and, just, and I hate. There's something to be said about new, just wanting some new guys because the, the core of the Mavericks roster, the rotation pieces, they've switched out like Seth Curry for Jason or for Josh Richardson and then that's kind of been the bit, and then Delon Wright. Like that's the only difference going back, like in the key part of this roster, going back to twenty, like like when Porzingis was traded to the team. Otherwise, it's been a lot of the same guys in the top eight, nine rotation spots. So, so I just I'm kind of at the point where I just want somebody different. Yeah, that's that's also how I feel. I mean, there's. I just want a playmaker that can that can play and not be injured. Um, sure, I like and can pass. Be... Well, yeah, of course. I, well, I guess, yeah. I just, I don't know, man. I was, I was so hurt, hurt, man, when that happened at deadline, and I was, I was even hoping for Rubio at the at the one point. It was sad, mm. um, and that's you know that's even sad to think about, but. 
it, it was just we needed it so bad, and it would have been a big difference for us in the playoffs if we had some something like that. But you know, that's just not feasible for our team. I guess they don't like someone that can't shoot. So yeah, uh, it, it's just you know, but Richardson didn't provide any shooting or defense. Rubio would have been an upgrade for him. So it was just kind of one of those hindsight kind of things. But sure, um, it's just we. It, that's what I want. I just want someone that's just a little better. I mean. Because mm-hmm. de- defense wise, one second. It's <laughs> see, there's the uh, my little three year old. Uh, there's playoff, there's playoff players, and there's regular season regular season players, and that's what we have. We have a bunch of really good regular season role players, but they can't perform in the playoffs because they're playing against elite game guys, same mm-hmm. guys every day, not playing rotating different teams and their bench players are playing because of injuries and stuff. So it's just, we got to upgrade better role players. And it just, it's just sad in our, but I, I, I'm really, I'm the guy that I'd rather upgrade the bottom six first before I'd upgrade the top. Okay. So, and because that floor is so important because if we can't, like you said, we didn't use none of our rookies. And that's like yeah. five people that we use. Right. So it's like, if you have five guys you can't even put on the court, what's the point of even having them? I mean, that's just, to me, that's just a waste of money. It's like we had like 30 million worth of players that weren't even playing, you know, with right. Powell and, you know, and all those guys at the end of the year. It's just like, that could be a all-star player. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I'd rather be, I'd rather have the, the back of the six roster, all rookies, and then have all the money spent on, on overpaid players or overpay them, you know, pay them extra four or five million, than, than just have a bunch of you know underpaid guys like WCS and you know and those guys at the bottom of the bench and Boban that participate only when it's needed. So sure, I I don't want to ramble and take your time. No, you're great. I'm sorry. No, thanks for coming out. This is good. This is good. You've given me. Some 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 good thoughts. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I I do think there's something to the fact that the Ma- I really like that description of the Mavericks have a lot of really like functional regular season players. I've gotten into a fair number of discussions the last several days where people have waffled back and forth about how good the roster is, and I think that that you know good or bad is not really the right descriptor. It's when things get specific, when coaches have to start making chess moves. The Mavericks have a lot of guys who were just very one-dimensional, and that dimension gets exposed, which is why, for example, Jalen Brunson just got played off the floor. Um, He was in his own head a little bit, but he also, you know, they know he's going to shoot. They know he is not a great distributor, for example. And so those sorts of things just got taken out of their hands. I think that's that's an interesting way to think about this, because the Mavericks roster um, is just so oddly constructed, where they have a lot of money in players that aren't particularly impactful and that just that really you know makes doing things very challenging okay coming up next i'm going to bring on christian kirk how are you doing today yeah i am doing all right you know just uh, i was glad i was a little tired about 20 minutes for the podcast then i i i feel a little better talking we're we're, we're um energy's coming back to me so what what do you yeah last night I, i'm actually uh, glad what uh, Herc 
Kenderson brought up. <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. Um, I, uh, you know, and I remember, I yeah, it was last off season, and it was later in the off season, and uh, I had fans making fun of me or like just kind of trolling that I thought it would be really important to bring Tory Craig on the Mavericks on a cheap deal like he went for. And people are like, that's the, you know, move that you think's going to do anything. And it's funny enough because actually that move, not that it's huge, could have been extremely, extremely. Well, I mean, Torrey Craig's, he's an interesting player, but he might be one of the worst offensive basketball players in human history. He's just a very fat, he's to me, he's just another example of a one-way guy. Uh, but but keep going. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, but I think when you add that is, you know, it gave us an option to throw out at Kawhi during that series. And he's done a, you know, pretty good job. And obviously he's a defensive guy. But, um, you know, I think uh, I had a conversation with Falwell tomorrow, uh, yet last night. And, um, you know, we were talking back and forth about needing to upgrade the roster and things like that. And he's like, well, more than, you know, role players, we need a second star. And I was like, I I mean, I get that sense, but at the same time, like, how realistic actually is that? And, you know, I hope we're in on the, you know, Pacers look like, you know, it could head into kind of a fire sale and certainly hope that we're, we're in on that. But I did see, and I was wondering your thoughts, um, it mentioned, I think it was Bleacher Report said that uh, if the Blazers re-sign Norm Powell, it looks like they would be willing to, or there seems to be mutual interest in a C.J. McCollum for KP swap, just to try something new for both teams. What are your thoughts? I think it is interesting. I think what it does is it changes one problem for another. The problem with McCollum and KP is that they are third guys paid like second guys. And that it's, I don't want to be so bleak as to say shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic, but it's just, it's not ideal. Now he really does make it. He, 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 the McCollum thing addresses what I feel is is the bigger challenge for the Mavericks at the moment, because while defense and rim protection is pretty important, secondary ball handling and playmaking was just, just so apparent. It was devastating. Um, there's a lot that Porzingis brings to the offense that doesn't get reflected in numbers at all. And so I think we have a tendency to underrate that contribution from him, you know, because as much as we talk about him standing in the corner or standing at the top of the key, like his gravity is real. And so it's just, you know, when you trade that out, that if if you trade that out, that's something that just has to be considered. But I I just, I don't know. I, I, the more I, you know, if I'm GM, which I'm not, never will be because I'm not particularly good at this, that aspect of this, I'm sort of just sticking with the, the, the notion that the Mavericks path to whatever, whatever they want it to be is not necessarily going to be linear up. I think that to, to a certain extent, I wonder if they, if they worry about his um, health and just simply try to move on. And if they, and, and if that's the pace, then they take a step back. Um, and that's, that's a little bit of a challenge. So 
I don't know. I'm all over the map at the moment. It's just so early, and I don't know what's possible. And the real challenge with Dallas is I don't, we're just not going to hear stuff from Dallas. We're going to hear stuff from other teams about Dallas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's just so many ways that this can go, and it's still so early with so many things having, you know, being decided. And I think my biggest thing was, you know, if, if – I, I actually like the CJ swap. I mean, you're looking at really it, – it's more of a floor raiser and it lowers the ceiling a bit because if KP is bubble KP, then you're talking about a really high ceiling. But mm-hmm. I just think that, you know, you can count – he's a good secondary playmaker. I think he would be able to run that bench unit. The defense is awful. Um but I think, you know, you, you have a consistent secondary uh, score, second option. Um, you get that secondary playmaking, and then hopefully you're able to address uh, some of these things, you know, in free agency um, when it comes to the bigs and wings. But I actually like the point, you know, I think if we're able to get off some of these contracts, I certainly hope we do, even though I don't think it's that likely but I feel like we need to retool quite a bit of the roster because in the playoffs, it was just so evident that that entire bench, like we, we didn't have anyone you would want to put in there. Like I, and that's why I mentioned Tory Craig, I think at minimum it's like, okay, we need a defender um, to go out there and, you know, give us 10 minutes or, you know, whatever the case may be, but I'll be interested to see what, what kind of pans out and I think uh, you know everyone's a little bit frustrated still and you know just hopes that we actually do something as opposed to previous years so sure. uh, appreciate you bringing me up and uh, look forward to what everyone else absolutely we're through two people and we've not talked about the asinine comments from uh, Mavericks GM Donnie Nelson um, that's either a good thing or a bad thing depending on what people are expecting so coming up next I'm going to bring Mavs Moneyball staffer Ben up on stage Ben what's happening hey Kirk can you hear me I can okay excellent I'm on weird headphones so hey uh, I'm I guess what is this like 20 15 minutes into this uh, thing and I kind of just touched on KP but I I I just want to move on from KP completely. Um, I, <laughs> I don't care about the return. It's just, it, it's kind of like you said, take it a step forward to take a step. I mean, take it a step back to take a step forward. Um, I don't care about the return. I see Kimba for KP has been floated. That's cool because Kimba's got two years less on his uh, contract. Uh, one low, year. Oh, one just year. One. I'm sorry. Yeah. W- one year less. Sorry. And, uh, uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, they brought up a Gary Harris and Terrence Ross and a Denver pick for KP. That sounds awesome. Cool. Let's do that. Just, uh, I, I will be the first to admit when KP like gets, you know, cuts to the basket and gets a lob or a nice pass and just, you know, absolutely yams on someone with that one handed tomahawk he has. It's exciting. I love it. I like seeing it. And the spacing he provides is awesome. But, you know, like just, you, at some point, sometimes you have to cut your losses and move on, and that's where I'm at with KP. I don't know how – I kind of know where you're staying on this, but are you, as far as me, and I'd kind of like to hear from other people, is are you at a point where you're willing to accept just any kind of assets back? I'm not saying, like, hey, let's trade this guy for a second-round pick, but I think people really need to lower the expectations and say, hey, look, we can just 
it, it was a good it was a good trade in my opinion. It was a wor- it was worth a swing. It's awesome it didn't work out, but hey, there's no reason to do this dance that everyone's doing where well maybe next year he's going to be healthy. Well, we've said that 3 years now. I'm I'm yeah. tired of maybe he'll be healthy. He's it, it's not going to happen. So, you know, that's where I'm at. <sighs> yeah, I don't know what to do. I just don't because my heart is where is 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 where you are right now, which is it's just like all right, enough, time to move on. My head is is seeing the the numbers when things work, and even when they don't work all that well for KB, the offense was still incredible um, this year. I I just have such big defensive concerns. I talked to to a, a, a physical therapist today who talked about how, you know, with a guy like him, he just probably has more mental scars, if anything, at this point, because there really were times this year where Porzingis looked different, where he was moving well. And so I just don't know how to process that because I don't know if he's still kind of trying to break through those scars and figure out how to play differently. I don't know if the Mavericks are keeping him, like we all thought that the Mavericks might be holding him back in terms of, of they, and then, it just didn't happen in the playoffs until game seven when he, find, well, I guess he did it in game six too, but the guys didn't find him as much where he was moving off ball and dunking and doing stuff like that. But he still, you know, it's like, there's just a lot of like core weaknesses to his game that I don't know. The idea of KP is just so alluring. And the, the, the problem is I, when I get mad about this, the reality of KP is not worth talking about relative to Luka Doncic. Right. Luka is the real fucking deal. And so everybody else that's, oh, we got to figure out how to get this guy involved. I keep coming back to the idea of it being so crazy that we are so concerned about what everyone else is doing over Luka. And I know that like all these, all these things are interrelated. You didn't ask about Luka. You asked about KP. I, I do think that, that there's just a chance that, that, I'm thinking a pretty good chance they hold on to him because like someone said in the chat, they don't admit their mistakes, but also it's just the allure is there. If it, yeah. he's, yeah, when, when it works, it really works. Right. When he's moving around and active on offense and on defense, it's awesome. Like I said, man, like I, I can just picture in my head, all these dunks that he's had and it's just fun to watch and it gets you like excited when you're watching the game. You're like, yeah, KP, like just throw it down, you know, shove it down their throat. But how, you know, it doesn't happen very often. And, you know, he's going to have an offseason where he's finally healthy. Maybe he can work on some things. But uh, we're always, you know, you talk about the mental scars of these injuries, and that's real, and maybe that's what's holding him back from moving. And you can say, okay, maybe next year he'll get past that. But what happens the next – he's going to tweak his knee again. He's going to tweak an ankle again. And is that going to set him right back to where he's at right now mentally? And so, you know, again, it's – it's uh, people always get hung up on the, the cost of KP right now, the cost of – what it took to acquire him. Well, then you also have to look to the future opportunity costs because by having Porzingis on your roster right now, that's hindering you from doing future moves. And that's that opportunity cost that might be too great for him. So you have to, as a fan, as a front office, as a coach, whatever, you know, do that mental calculation in your head. Hey, is the possible Porzingis that we might get worth, you know, missing out on some other superstars that might be available via trade? Cause we all know they're not going to come here in pre-agency. So, you know, that, that's what they have to get in their head is, you know, Hey, is like you said, the hypothetical Porzingis worth missing out on future players. And for me, it's not, I I've seen enough. It's been two years. Everybody acts like it's been, you know, a short time. It's been two and a half years. 
So I'm ready. To, I'm ready to move on. It's fine. Okay. Well, I understand that entirely. So, well, thank you, Ben. You got anything else? Uh, no, I'm good. That's it. I just had to yell about KP. Sure. All right. Appreciate you. Uh, coming up next, Tyler. What's happening, Tyler? Pretty good, Kirk. How are we doing today? Okay. I got to admit, when I get out of the rhythm of this, it's hard to want to do it again. <laughs> That's yeah. all right. Well, so. you, you were asking uh, why nobody talked about Donnie Nelson's comments. So uh, here I am. They were dumb. They're bad. I don't know what he's thinking. It's It's really strange. And I don't. So let's try to – so if you listen to his context, you know, Jeff Skin Wade was kind of – he had a tweet yesterday kind of complaining that people are taking all these comments out of context, and people aren't taking them out of context, A. But B, let's, let's be let's, – how about instead of saying it was taken out of context, let's give him a charitable read and say what he's really talking about is that Luca can't have the ball this much and them expect to win because it's, it's just it's, – it's impossible – you know, we nobody has won a, a finals with usage like Luca is approaching. So, I think from like an academic standpoint, we could all agree that we need to do things differently. Like that, that part's fine. Where I get frustrated is it's like that that scene from The Simpsons where it's like we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas, and it's just like what like what are you doing, Donnie? Yeah. This is your and maybe you know. Maybe it's not all him because we got to remember that Cuban exists for all Bob Vulgaris exists. There's all these different things that play into what goes on in Dallas. A lot of which we're not a part of. and We are simply never going to know, but I still can't help, but be very frustrated by the notion of it. It like Luca's maturity as he referred to it is like the fourth thing down my priority. Yeah, like it just feels like that he's living in a different reality than what, uh, at least the fan base that we're living in. Like, I mean, it feels like he watched a different series than we did. If he's saying that Luca is somehow the issue here, well, and then you know, it what what happens is it gets echoed, and as multiple, what are you doing? You're you banging on something, homie? Um, sorry, I'm making lunch. <laughs> Oh, making lunch. I'm jealous. Right, I'm just messing with you. Um, so it, it, what drives me nuts is that there's this local media component of columnists and football adjacent people that don't really know what the hell they're talking about because they don't watch basketball like we do. So what they've done is because they've worked for, you know, the newspaper, the radio station for X number of years, they have these relationships with the front office people and they say, well, okay, I trust this guy. If he's saying it, it's a value. And then they just turn around and they write it up because there's not a lot of critical thought going on here. Like I, I Brad, Brad Townsend, I really enjoy Brad. I, I, he is a great beat writer, works his butt off. And he was talking last night, he went at somebody that shared it, you know, it's like he he's like, you you were loving these role players when they were up 2-0. Now you're saying they need to be better. And well, yes, that is exactly what we're saying because expecting Tim Hardaway Jr. to shoot 65% from three is not a reasonable position. And so it's just, there's, there's this kind of, there's this kind of like, like echo chamber that, that exists where, you know, there's not a lot of understanding of the, the current power dynamics in basketball. And that frustrates me. I don't love that superstars had the ability to demand this stuff. I just don't. Because in the back of my mind, I'm constantly worried that every mistake is going to lead to Luca leaving us. And that makes me upset. 
but that's the way it is and we cannot change it. So watching these narratives form about how it could or could not be Luca's fault, like that just can't, like what is the value of that? Like, like you're, I, that's where I've kind of been with a lot of this, this PR stuff with the Mavs the last several days is I'm like, what is the, what are you winning here? Because you're not winning free agents. You're not winning and making Luca happy. You're probably not making KP happy. Is there something going on that we don't know about? Maybe there is. But that's just like, this has all been very silly to me. Yeah, like, I just don't understand. Like, you you would think that you would go out of your way to make Luca happy, especially since he's about to get a Supermax. So, like, I'm not worried about him leaving, like, in the near future, but, like, Every little thing matters whenever it comes to free agency and trying to convince people, like, why we're better than wherever else he could go that throws him a max contract in, like, five years. Right. But it's just, like, it feels like there's something that we're not seeing with, like, maybe something behind the scenes. But it, it just – it's frustrating because, like, it's they're living in a different reality than what we all see. Yeah, yeah. And we watched what James Harden did. We watched what Anthony Davis did. We watched what Kawhi Leonard did. And there's just this blanket assumption that Luka is like Dirk because he's a white Euro, and that is straight up stupid. And people need to drop that. He is a, he, he, you know, he's as hard on himself as anybody else. And I think even he would kind of probably come to the table and say, I, you know, and, and, Jonathan Sharks has talked about this. Luca needs to not want the ball as much as he wants it. Like they need like the, the discussion about Luca having the ball is actually very valuable. I think it's one we should be having. It's just gotta be second to, you know, Dorian, who is an absolute grinder, and I love how much success he's had, but I think he's twenty nine or twenty eight going on twenty nine, and you know, expecting continued rises and improvements from him is just not realistic and it's not fair to him. The Mavericks put all this pressure on these, all this pressure on these guys who aren't Luca. And then at some point they just need to do a better job because if you go back the last several years, 2018, you get Luca and Jalen. That's outstanding. 2019, you get KP and Tim Hardaway Jr. That's also outstanding. It really is. But now that you've raised the bar of your team, you've raised where you expect them to go the margin for error on all the other moves becomes almost non-existent. And they've just, they've made a number of them is, is the, is the problem. Yeah. And like the Luca getting off ball conversation, like, yes, that's absolutely something that needs to happen. But from his perspective, like who are we going to give the ball to? He probably feels like it's just better if it ends up in his hands the whole time, since he's probably one of the only two or three reliable ball handlers that we have on the team. And that's being generous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tyler. Of course. You have a good day and enjoy that lunch. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, Tim. Welcome back, Tim. Hey, Kirk. Can you hear me? You can. All right. Excellent. Yeah. So a couple of things um, that have been on my mind during this week of, like, wacky uh, front office gaslighting uh, have been, like, so I read I read Xavier's piece and I thought it was good uh, on the you know. Did you? Because he 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 he's in the chat. We'll bring him up at some point. He bravely wrote that. Let's be clear. Sure. He yes. Got it was roasted. Not, yeah. <laughs> you, you know you got to hear. Yeah. I mean you got to hear the uh, the alternative side of things and 
You know, but one thing that was in that piece and that I think a lot of people have kind of expressed uh, is that, well, you know, you can't be too critical of like the Josh Richardson trade because, you know, I uh, thought it was a good trade at the time. The logic made sense to me. And I hear this kind of discussed with a lot of different front office moves, um, not just for the Mavericks, but elsewhere. But it's like to me, it's like, okay, like, like, yeah, I thought it was a decent move. It made sense to me, but like, I'm just a dude. Like, I'm just a guy who just like listens to the low post and, you know, reads some tweets. Like, I'm not an NBA executive who, whose job it is to evaluate talent. I think we should hold them to like a higher standard of talent evaluation. And it is concerning to me that the Mavs front office seems to have kind of a, you know, a bad record with whether it's draft picks or whether it's recent, like, on the margins trades of not doing a good job with talent and player development evaluation. Um, like, you know, uh, not knowing that, like, Jay Rich was on the decline and hadn't, you know, this is something that you can be you can be critical of the front office for. And it's not just the Jay Rich move. I mean, we could have used DeLon Wright in that series. It's something that we we're not talking about. We basically just gave him away for absolutely nothing. Gave him away for James Johnson, who is on the decline and not the player he once was, which wasn't even that good to begin with. Yeah. Uh, and then we traded him for a guy who was hurt, who never played. And so we basically just, you know, lost depth in the guard rotation from last year, um, which really hurt us. And I think it's fair, even if you say, like, oh, those moves made sense at the time, it's fair to look back on it critically and say, you know what, it's an NBA's, NBA executive's job to, like, evaluate talent well uh, and make those moves uh, better than I would. Um, so that's the first thing I'll say. And the second thing I'll say is that I am deeply concerned about KP, not just because of the injuries and the kind of decline of his game, but also his attitude about his fit with the team. I think that's something we're not like considering enough. Like he doesn't seem happy. The reports about him and Luca you know, kind of having riffs, his frequent, you know, talking about the coaching staff and all that, like all of that next year is going to be amplified because remember media are going to be back in the locker room. It's going to be a more spread out schedule. So there's going to be more time for like these kind of fluff stories and stuff. There's going to be like way more room for drama. And it is deeply concerning to me because like, let's say he demands a trade or he's unhappy in his role, like that just lowers his trade value even yeah. further. So I think, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to, obviously I don't know if they're going to do this, but I would have a sense of urgency about moving KP. <sighs> Lots of good comments. Appreciate you coming up. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm very challenged here because I think that the Mavericks, and this is not just the Mavericks, but it's kind of coming to a head with the Mavericks, is they suffer from having too many smart people that all think they're right. Um, you know, Mike Fisher often talks about the Dallas brain trust of Donnie, Mark, and, and uh, uh, Carlisle. And as evidenced by the draft alone, looking back in hindsight, I don't think they were on the same page. Um, because you know, you draft a guy, Carlisle won't play like it, and everybody knew Carlisle wouldn't play. And it just kind of goes from there. And, you know, we don't talk enough, you know, understanding that Cuban is not going to be, he's, he's always going to be part of the conversation. Cuban being involved like he is, is a problem 
It has been yeah. a problem. There's there's something to the fact that he went away in 2011 and they won a championship because he wasn't <laughs> constantly barking. And he just, he exists, he hovers. It's his thing. He's a smart guy. He thinks of himself as a basketball guy, which is challenging because he's he is a billionaire version of us, to be quite honest. Um, and, and, you know, that just sort of hangs over things. And so I just think they, yeah. they have too many voices yeah. and it's not working. And, and I don't know what, where they go from, from there on that, because I, I agree with you on, on, on a lot of your, a lot of your thoughts. And, and I, I do think that they're going to, I, if they come back with the majority of the same roster, I'm going to be surprised because I don't, I never thought they would actually fire Donnie Nelson. I do think that the pressure next season for both Carl Donnie Nelson is just turned all the way up to 10 that. So, and, and they back themselves into this corner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be that the pressure on them should be high. You know, I mean, you have like a top five NBA player on your team and, and you gotta, you gotta, like you said, the margin for error is reduced. So, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what they, the, you know, the, the, Cuban the thing that is, I keep coming back to. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so if any of you are Mad Men fans, I always think of, of the gif or uh, the scene where he, where Don Nelson is yelling at the copywriters where he says, that's what the money is for. And my biggest issue, and I tease Xavier about this as he wrote it, is he's just saying, you know, well, what else was there for them to do? And my answer is, frankly, I don't know because I'm not that good at this, but that's what they get paid for. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's just as yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's fair. Like, it's fair to say that they should know more than me. Like, <laughs> um, that's their job. And yeah, I mean, the the results kind of speak for themselves. And yeah, the last thing I'll say is like your comments about about Cuban just now. It's always really concerning when not just a team, but like any organization, like gets lucky, mm-hmm. and the head of that organization thinks that it wasn't luck or it wasn't some external factor that led to these developments. It was all their genius. Yeah. It was all their individual level genius. And I think in the past ten years, Cuban. And to some extent, Donnie Nelson, too, have kind of like assumed that they're like the smartest guys in the NBA and they just know everything and they like get the CBA. They get the, uh, you know, the salary cap. They they understand all. Of the I don't think they get the salary stuff. cap at all. My secret, my secret well, hot take that I don't talk about it enough. I don't think they know the cap at all. They do nothing creative. Nothing. But I mean, neither do I. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the heck they could do. I, it's like like no, everybody who's been a teams, vet. You you see teams, you know, like uh, find a way to sign and acquire players when it's like, oh, they didn't have much cap room. It's like, well, they made room. Like you can make room and and you can you can find ways to finagle that. And anyway, I mean, cap room never hit any shots. So I mean, you got to use it too. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Tim. I, I I'm grateful for you coming up again. All right, let's see who else I'm going to bring on here. Um, there's a quick question I wanted to address I saw in the chat where Robbie Park asked, could we spend a few minutes on Haralabob's influence in the front office? Is he in the brain trust now? So I want to say this, say any of this carefully because I don't, like, I know stuff, 
but I can't prove stuff to a degree. And I, I believe that Hrolbob was very influential in pushing Cuban to, to want to draft Luca. Then he was hired by the team. He, for anybody who doesn't know her, he is a extremely successful gambler. Like, unbelievably so made millions in the margins really bright guy uh he's into cryptocurrency now kind of all he tweets about uh, but he works for the front office and it's it's just it's i i will just say that that from what i understand he plays he has a voice in the room that is significant whether that is good or bad i cannot comment i do not know I will say, though, that it just that's where it, it, it feels like that there's just one, two, three, many voices in the room is all. And and I don't know what to do with that. And I suppose we might find out at some point. Um, well, is that, uh, so Miguel asks, who is he? Uh, you can like when he was hired by the Mavericks, Zach, Ro- Zach Lowe and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski wrote a piece on him. So you can. If somebody could type his name in the chat, you can go look him up and it would be, you'll, you'll see where, like, you'll get more information from this than you will for me. Cause I don't want to misstate anything about his role. I know he's, he's basically in charge of some of their advanced analytics stuff. Um, he's really like, he's really funny too. If he, he was on, as Xavier notes, he was, he was uh, on with uh, Bill Simmons and he's just, he, he's got some good, interesting basketball insights. I'm just kind of surprised he's a front office dude now. Just going to be quite honest with you. Um, all right, coming up next, I'm going to bring on Brandon. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Hey, Kurt. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound good. All right. Long time no talk. I know. Um, <laughs> so I may just be a jaded fan after 10 years of promises and shattering or shattering disappointments, but. I've already kind of resigned to the fact that most of this roster is probably coming back. There will be moves made around the margins like last year, probably bring somebody in like Spencer Dinwiddie or something. I don't know. Um, Ooh, you're speaking Xavier's language. That that's his, that's his pitch. I like it. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I actually like him, but I mean, the ACL just worries me, but I mean, that's all aside from the point. I feel like, unfortunately, our next step, or I don't even know if it's a half step or whatever, the improvement from this year to next year, if there is any, is unfortunately going to have to come internally. So that's – now, I do feel KP's probably going to be better on defense next year just because, first of all, it's hard to be that bad. Of course, yeah. <laughs> and I do I do think a healthy offseason, he'll get to get his legs underneath him, actually maybe – work on his game instead of rehabbing. So I feel decent that he'll get back to being competent and a plus on defense. Um, You know, maybe if Brunson can become a competent passer, not even a good one, just make it where the defense doesn't know you're going to take the shot every single time you touch the ball. (laughs) Yes. Josh Green, if you can play functionally 20 minutes a night, 25, uh, and I feel like that's just where our biggest leap is going to have to come. And then maybe if all of that gels correctly and we bring in, you know, one or two guys that are, you know, like some people have been saying 10 to 15 million, 
um, that that may be our best hope. But I, I'm already uh, I'm already pretty negative on our outlooks this off season. I understand. I'm kind of just here for the moment. Like I wrote that calendar piece. I need to go look at it because I was going to kind of read some things off of it. But there's just a ton of basketball happening, and where mm-hmm. I get really despondent is that is the traditional period where like summer league ends mid July and then there's basically nothing but baseball from mid July until, you know, football, fantasy football stuff around Labor Day and then you got to make it through all September and then it's training camp. Like August is usually like the rough month and there's just stuff happening this year and I'm probably going to find things to talk myself into despite being a bit of a grump myself. So, I understand what you mean though. Right. And then my second, I guess, point, I don't, I don't even know if it's a point. Um, I did want to come up here because I know you mentioned DeRozan earlier in the, in the chat or in the call. I wanted to play devil's advocate, not because I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't want him. But I have spent far too much time in brain capacity waffling between whether to get him or not. So I guess just whenever I was talking myself into it, so there are like legitimate. First of all, he can dribble and pass, which literally only Luca can do on our roster right now. That would be nice. Um, you know, he can run a, a bench unit while uh, Luca's actually taking a rest. He's a. I, not, I wouldn't say good by any means. I would say he's a more versatile defender than he was in Toronto, because San Antonio asked him to play a lot of four in some of these small lineups. So maybe he can not be a disaster on defense. But I think ultimately just the fact that – I think you've pointed this out too, that I think almost every year he's been a net negative for his teams. Yep. And whenever it comes down to crunch time, we know Luka is going to have the ball in his hand. And what is DeRozan going to do? Like, so you, you want to know, know my second thing about about him is that I think if you bring him on, you then have to move KP. Because KP is a third third star who doesn't know it. And if right. we thought he was a pouty ass this year, oh my god! Like he's a guy who wants twenty shots a game. If he, you know, you put you put DeRozan and Luca out there, a guy like him's going to get ten shots a game, and he's going to lose his mind. That's true. Because so. I mean, I, I guess I'm just too hopeful on KP sometimes. Because yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly correct. He's a he's a third star, and he's complimentary. Obviously, he spaces the floor. He's fantastic at finishing. Um, but he can't get his own shot, which that's fine for a player. And like you can win a championship with that type of player, but we need another pillar. And I guess even if we brought in somebody like a Kyle Lowry or a, you know, Mike Conley or anything yeah. like that, I, yeah, he probably would still lose his mind. So, yeah. well, thank you. All right. Yeah. Um, hopefully I get proven wrong this offseason. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You have a good one. All right. Coming up next. Oh, I want to read. I just got a fantastic tweet sent to me. Uh, I had a, a. I woke up this morning and said, "What weird Mavs takes will we see from people today?" Someone just responded: "Trade Luca, win a championship with Donnie Nelson, distributing flawlessly to longtime local Dallas sports media types." I really appreciated that tweet. Uh, Carter is up next. Carter. Got that audio working there. There we go. Hey, can you hear me, Kurt? I can't. Doing good. Um, just had a few thoughts. Someone in the chat mentioned it earlier, but what are the odds you think Jay Rich opts in this year? I'd, I'd seen some kind of 
varying things on Twitter and on Bleacher Report about possibly him opting out, but I just can't for the life of me imagine he he thinks he could get more money elsewhere. And then another thing, separate note, uh, you'd mentioned that they're going to need to get really creative in the offseason as far as free agency trading, just improving their roster in general. What are the odds that that imbecile Donnie actually does get creative? Because Very, very. I, his ass is on the fire. That's why he's going so on the offensive. Um, I've heard from enough other media. I, I'll just refer to us as media adjacent sports types. Like we're not the legacy media people. And everyone is like, we have to put the press on Donnie and co. And that's going to happen. And it'll be loud. That's why some of the legacy people are so confused. They're like, what is happening? Why is everybody so mad? And it's like, well, cause we're wait, you know, we just not wasted, but we didn't take advantage of, of Luca's second year or third, second playoff run. It's frustrating. So, so I, I really, I, I think there's, there's something to that. Was there gotcha. a second question? My bro, I'm like doing three things at once. No, you're good. Uh, I guess it was, do you think Jay Rich is oh, going to opt in? Oh, God, yes. That's the good question. That was the one I meant to answer first. So I think he opts in. I also think that $10 million is the kind of sweet spot contract that is is of extreme value on the market. Because if you look at the way salaries are distributed between teams, you have guys that make like $1 to $4 million and guys that make 14, 15 and up. Um, Xavier could probably correct me in the chat if I have those like basic numbers wrong, but you don't see a lot of like the average player salary right now for in the league is $9 million, but there's not a lot of guys that make $9 million. Um, like we saw how, like we moved Seth Curry with like that, just because there's the dudes that make that amount of money. It it's, it's, of it's just kind of hard to fit. And, you know, I think that, that Richardson is not as bad as he played. Um, someone noted that he did get COVID, and we don't really know how that impacted his game. Um, I just – there's – I think Dallas could move him if he wanted to be moved. He's also represented by the same agent as Luca's agent. So there's a lot of mutual understanding at play here. So I, I do think they could. But if he opts out – I mean, I don't know who would sign him. Maybe, maybe a longer term deal. There's, there's more. There's actually a, there's some money on the market this year, uh, with 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 less good teams is what I'll say. I got gotcha. you. Also, I one more thing. I think I'm on the optimist train here, but I do think if this is KP's first fully healthy off season in a while. Ever. ever. Yeah. Ever. So, <laughs> I think that's that's kind of allowed me to welcome him back with somewhat open arms. But uh, I, I think people should consider that more when slandering the man, but hopefully the front office can get their act together and get everyone on that optimist train. But thank you for your time. Sure thing. All right. Coming up next, Michael. How are you doing, Michael? Michael, are you there? All right, try to rejoin, and we'll see if we can get you up here. Coming up next is David. David, how are you? Is the audio gonna getting some fun audio? You know, it's, it's still a new app. A little bit, a little. David, we'll bring you back up if uh, if you're able to talk. 
Okay, coming up next then, Michelangelo. How are you? Is anyone's audio going to work is the real question. We're having some fun here. Um, all right, try to quit and rejoin and we'll see. Uh, Michael again then. Michael, let's see if this works. There all you right. go. Closed out the app and yeah, brought it back, I, so I'm glad that I think it's something. I think it's something about waiting in the queue where it just did, I don't know, but appreciate you rejoining. How's it going? It's going well. Um, so there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. So there was a really good radio show last night locally uh, with Brian Damaris and Mark Falwell. And Brian Damaris brought up a really interesting point about Luca's timetable or his, uh, yeah, his timetable and just, you know, things are clicking right now or the time is, the clock is ticking right now with him just because um, you know, everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, we're, we're going to get a five-year extension out of the deal. Um, we might get a three plus one, and that might actually be the most likely just because um, in 2025, the TV contracts uh, expire, yeah. and right. so the cap will raise, and he will be eligible for, you know, another extension at the end of, you know, uh, his first one around that time. And he'd only mm-hmm. be able to do that if he had the three plus one. Uh, so we sure. only really have about four years left to make him happy and to actually be a contender and play in conference finals and even the finals. Uh, if we don't do that, he's gone. And, you know, it, it sucks to think about that because, you know, we want to think of him as dark. Sure. Um, and, but, you know, you got to think about Dirk as well. He went to the finals in 2006. He had, you know, a lot of success um, in the early 2000s and really throughout that entire decade. So there was a lot, yep. you know, he, they made him happy. You know, I, I'm just kind of, just like everybody else, I'm kind of frustrated with the front office. It just seems like they're scared because they don't want to mess up. And I think they also lie to themselves as well that, oh, yeah, we have a good enough team right now. That is not the case. Um, and, you know, and I'm also kind of worried that it's going to be another one of those summers where we're going to come back and have, like, the same team that we did this past year. And that's just not going to cut it. I mean, we're going to get bounced in the first round again. Probably, you know, um, we're not – COVID's not going to be an issue, and we will have a full um, off season, which would be nice. But um, I, I just – I think the first round is the ceiling for this team. And, um, you know, it's kind of sad to think about, but it, we just have to do something. And, you know, th- there was a lot of people talking about we have to bring in a, um, a, uh, another ball, a uh, ball handler. And I completely agree with that. And I was kind of frustrated by Rick Carlisle saying, you know, uh, what, what player do we need right now? Oh, we need a solid three and D player. Um, I think we have that in Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, and I, there's naysayers on him. And, you know, I people would like to say that, you know, Dorian could – he's not – he's good, he's solid, but there are better options out there. But that's – a solid 3 and D guy is not this team's biggest need. So, I mean, yeah. that's my pessimistic take for the day. So, Well, I appreciate it. 
as far as Luca contract stuff goes, I have no idea. I think that you're you're bringing up at least a very interesting point about the TV contract deal because that does matter matters a great deal. Though I do think the the NBA Players Association will accept cap smoothing because uh, they learned their lesson the hard way last time. Um, it you know this is what you know this is what makes kind of the comments so 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 difficult to parse because what Luca wants to do is of the most paramount importance and if the Ma- and, and if the Mavericks want him to do something differently i.e. play off ball a little more then they have to make that case in a way that he you know you make that case by bringing in or acquiring somebody that is able to take the ball away from him and they don't lose every minute that he's off or that he is off ball um like the, the Brunson Luca lineups regular season were pretty good actually, but the, in the postseason, they just collapsed because, you know, Kawhi started, like, targeting Brunson, and it was just very frustrating to watch. So I, 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 I don't know what they prioritize. You know, Rick seems to have a different – like, we've talked about this. We kind of beat around the bush with it, but this is where it's like I don't think any of the, the, the three main parties, you know, the front office, the coach, and the owner are on the same page about what the team needs. I mean, Cuban gave an interview to Forbes about how, oh, we did a great job on Kawhi Leonard, and, like, no. like. I don't blame Dorian or Maxie for that, but no, they did not do a good job on Kawhi Leonard. Like, what does a bad job look on Kawhi Leonard if that was a good job? I mean, good goodness gracious. Um, I do think that that the Mavericks will have to. A lot of player, a lot of our fans, you know, you like Dorian Finney-Smith. Let me, I like him too. I've really come around around on him. I've had a lot of copy where I say he sucks, so so I'm I'm really pleased that he's he's figured something out. But there's also something to maximizing on a guy who might not get any better. Um, it might not get worse, but it's just, it's, it's, he just, he's had two career years in a row. Like the, the, you know, he's just not constantly going to go up. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see what they do. I, I, we won't know until we know. And, and I, I, part of me thinks Donnie Nelson is sending out flares to free agents when he's talking about how we, how, you know, we're going to, you know, have the ball in Lucas hands less just to, to make that known because, you know, there's, it, it is different. If you've ever played ball with a with a, a ball dominant guard, it's difficult to get in the flow sometimes. It really is if you never touch the ball. Um, and and they the Mavericks need to figure out a little bit better balance. It's just I think that you address it by not publicly flaring out that you think your 22 year old superstar needs to you know needs to mature. Like get over like that was a terrible comment. But thank you, Mike. Yeah. Um... One thing is, is who do you think is tradable? Um, and roster? who are you willing to let go of? Yeah. I mean, because... I'm willing to let go of anybody. I want a total and complete overhaul if I'm in charge, but I'm not particularly good at fantasy GMing. Um, I think that the mat, like the, the, anybody, like Dorian's almost kind of hard to move because he's so cheap. Um, it's it's the Dorian, or I'm sorry, it's the, the kind of Maxi, the Richardson, it's the 10 to, you know, the, the 10 to $12 million guys, I, I think Powell has value now. Um, he looks good. So the, they, they're going to have some options is my thing. Yeah. So Jalen Brunson, you, are you willing to move on? It's from so him? hard to trade him. He makes like one and a half million dollars. Like, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're include, you know what I mean? Cause what are you getting back? Cause in, I know the, the off season trade restrictions are not as tight as the in season ones, but you still have to kind of come within a range, I believe. And it's just, it's not easy to move him. 
Yeah, so. but teams would be really interested in him because he is a solid player. Yes. And he's probably a starter yes. elsewhere. So maybe. I think we're I'm, a little overhyping that. But if you could say okay. if you could, you know, make the pitch that you're trading a starter, then you're showing, hey, this guy is of value. So yeah, yes to that is 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 the is the answer. I would I'd be I'm fine with trading anybody that's not Luka Doncic. Really am. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can well, I thank add you, Michael. One more thing? Can I have one more thing? So we always talk about how KP has never really had a full off season. Right. He did. Um at you know, during the break. Uh, you know, in COVID before the bubble, that was about four months. Um, this is going to be about four months going into September. Um, and when he came back, he was a 30 and nine guy. Um, mm. So, you know, as like, I think we can bring him back to that level um, because we have to have a second star. Um, you know, Mark Fall talks all the time about, if you look at all the other teams that have done anything in the past few years, they all have a second star. Um, but his attitude kind of sucks. So I don't know. And he's just so inconsistent and we don't know, you know, he, he had a full off season and it was 30 and nine, but he played for about a month and then had, and couldn't play in the playoffs. So it, I, I'm, I'm through with him. That that's, you know, I'll, I'll leave it with that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go find this follow up show. I'll be honest because I don't I don't I want to just think how to phrase this. It's on Patreon. I have oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that one. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I think that compared to other teams, there are Dallas Mavericks team employees that have an unreasonably loud voice in the fan discussion relative to other teams. Like I know way, I know so many Lakers fans. You never hear about what their like commentators think about stuff. And Mark mm. and skin and harp are just ever present in our lives. I don't think that's a bad thing. I just am sometimes like, I'm not, I have a hard time seeking it out. Cause I'm just like, you're like, you're not, you know, the way we're not like they're biased because they're they, they work for the team. Like you can't criticize the team. You know, that's why some of the things Mark Follow says is actually from what I've heard. And you're not the first person mentions to me like some of his comments last night sound really interesting because they do border on actual, you know, they border on real criticism, which is not something this team, you know, you, you, we really hear much because <laughs> that just doesn't happen. Out of so. the three guys, the ones that you know, Mark's opinion means the most to me. Oh, Art. Mark is Mark is just a great analyst. Oh my god! I think In Mark all talks too. out of his ass. Or not Mark. Harp just talks out of his ass most of the time. He doesn't really know <laughs> what he's talking about. You know? Yeah, I mean, he does. So. It's just like like I just don't follow. Like I I've talked to Paul years and years ago about the work that he like just how he prepares for games. Like that dude's a grinder. He knows his yeah. stuff, and I think they all do to a degree, but. He's like, I almost wish for when I hear some national broadcast guys, I think of like, man, I wish, I wish this was follow up. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, All right well, thank you, Michael. Enough. All right, guys, I got to get back to work soon, and I have a long list, so I'm going to bring up a couple more people. We're going to try David. David, hey. how are you? Hey, how's it going? There we go. Audio's. Yeah, I had to restart too after uh, last dude said that. 
Um, yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit more about, I know maybe you don't know much about it, but just make some assumptions about the Bob Volgaris thing. So the last I heard about it, like him and Cuban were kind of paired off in war or in tension of some sort with Mark and Donnie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or not Mark and Donnie, uh, Rick and Donnie. Yep. Just about players and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, assuming that, like you said earlier, you know, Rick and or Donnie is on the hot seat this season, what would, I guess, an ideal coaching slash GM setup look like in the future? Because, I mean, it seems like Mark's open to it with the Gerson-Rosas thing back in the day, even though that didn't really work out. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just try to envision what this team might look like with a little uh, smarter dudes in the room. Or at least in the different. future, maybe. Yeah, or different. Just yeah, some yeah. new blood is what we're kind right. of asking. Right. And I honestly got to tell you, I have no idea. I think that when you look at the challenges the Mavericks have had over the years, you have Cuban, who's a little too present. And if you even start digging into like the news Cuban has made over the last five to six years, whether it's idiotic comments about Russell Westbrook uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, when he said the, the Lakers should consider amnestying him talking and like just walking into doors is like the thing that Cuban specializes in. Then you got Donnie, who I just don't know how interested he is in this job anymore. That's kind of the main, like, I just feel like this is not, you know, I've talked, you talk to people who are like, oh, Donnie has, is, you know, he owns the Texas Legends. He has a business interest in this. And it's just like, is, is this really his, his passion anymore? I mean, the man's been in basketball for such a long time. If you don't know anything about Donnie Nelson's history, I, I cannot recommend g- dipping into his Wikipedia page. He's lived a fascinating life. I mean, maybe he's just not that into basketball anymore. Um, and then you have Carlisle, who is a great coach, but he is also an older guy. And like, I think he really he's, – he's kind of at that generational divide where I think he really clashes with a lot of players. We've just seen it over the years. Yep. I do yeah. think of the two of them, the coach is significantly harder to replace than the GM. And I know that's a crazy thing to say because it's probably not fair uh, because I don't know enough about front office stuff. But I do know I've seen this. Like, look at what happened to the Pacers. The grass is not always greener. Look, it's it's really what like they fired a coach who went to Atlanta as an assistant coach and is now going to like is a couple steps away from the Eastern conference finals. You have to be rock solid that the guy that you bring in for a team on the rise is going to work is, is my thing. And there are a lot of coaches that are um, out there, but being a coach is about a lot more than being a, a, you know, uh, a tactician you have to be a politician. You have to be a counselor. You have to be a PR man. And I just don't know. Like, Carlos stinks at a couple of those things, mainly being a, a PR man. I don't know. He's pretty like, – remember when he convinced us that Justin Jackson had the league's best floater? Um, <laughs> it, it's just like you need to be very sure of what you're doing when it comes to the coach. Um, but like we've kind of mentioned, the moment it's very, very clear, if Luca's, Luca and he are no longer connecting, then you move on. It just that's just the way it is. Right. Which kind of just makes me think about like, okay, well, you know, Rick kind of pioneered this current flow system that's everywhere, but what would Luca look like in a different, I don't know, strategic set? You know, would he be better in some type of type of different offensive set or you know, just as a player, I don't know. Well so 
everybody that's in here, if you ha- if you didn't read uh, uh, Iztok's two thousand word like uh, doctrine on the Mavericks offense, you get through with that, you'll think about whether because a lot of people are like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing," and I'm like, "Well, look at the players." <laughs> like, I just keep coming back to the players. Is it is it for me? Could he right. be different with Josh Green? Absolutely. Everybody's correct. But does Josh Green make the difference? Like when 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 Brunson plays so badly that you have to play Burke, and then after that there aren't guards. What do you do? I mean, I, I've right. just seen the man make enough out of nothing to want to give him a real chance because I think we're undervaluing how how amazing it is that they took the Clippers to seven games. I, I I'm pretty sure I said this, but I'm just, it's worth saying again. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they were on the floor. The net rating in the regular season was plus 18. They destroyed teams and Luca just broke them. And so did, so did, you know, Tim Hardaway, et cetera. And some of that is Carlisle's doing. Not all of it. Players play, you know, players got to execute the scheme, but it's, I just, I'm, I'm very, I just, I think they got to do things differently with the roster building and both, but yeah, both of them are on the hot seat. It's just kind of a, like, like which degree do you think, like how hot the seat is for both of them? I totally agree. I'd rather have the GM, you know, I'd rather have Donnie see the door, especially considering his interest level. But, you know, I mean, you know how coaches are always uh, the first to go or the first, you know, the rug pulled out from under him. So it's just kind of concerning and makes me think. And the only other thing I had was, uh, Luca this morning hugging Boban when they got up in Slovenia was a nice little moment. So, you know, hope to see Boban back, even if just in a JJ Berea type capacity going forward and get sure. spot minutes. But, but yeah. Sure. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming up. Yep. Yep. So the comparable situation that everybody needs to pay close attention to is what happened in Portland where their GM is just scapegoating everybody under the sun. And the real thing is, is that they had success early and they never got back to where they wanted to at the Western Conference Finals. And the roster overachieved. And then they doubled down on an overachieving roster. That is is the flip side of what we're looking at, where we feel like the Mavericks underachieved because of the super, you know, the superstar situation. But realistically I kind of think the Mavericks are where they're supposed to be in terms of the roster depth and they just need to figure out a way to take, to take a next step. I just am not, I'm, I don't, I just haven't loved the audio. I haven't loved the quotes because I'm worried about Luca being pissed off anyways. All right. So I'm bringing a couple more folks up and then I got to go. I apologize. There's a ton of people waiting to talk. I feel bad about this, but maybe if, if I knew we were going to get this many folks in here, I would have done this earlier. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm going to bring up Xavier because he works for me or works with me. What's wrong with me? Xavier, Mad Moneyball, Contra Manager, contributor. I'm surprised And the audio is sketchy. All right, sorry, Hello? Xavier. Xavier, uh, the audio, uh, you were full on robot voice. It's pretty outstanding. Um, let's try, we'll, we'll bring it back uh, at the end here. Michelangelo, let's see if the audio works this time. Hey, what's up, Kirk? Hey, man, I'm doing good. All right, first of all, I want to address a few things. I'm going to address them quick. Then I'm going to give you my six fixes for the Mavericks. All right, first thing is 
Does nobody did nobody watch any of the series that we played? CJ McCollum and Kimba Walker are not going to help us. I'm sorry, they're too small. Every time Jalen Brunson came on the court, he got exposed. All those guys got exposed by six eight shooters that are shooting over them. Marcus Morris is too big. All these other guys. Now let's flip forward to Utah. All right, Utah's bigger. Utah's able to throw more guys. But not only that, Utah is throwing more guys that can pass. Joe Ingles, uh, Bogdanovich, uh, Donovan Mitchell, even Gobert to a, to a degree. Okay, games two through five, I watched so many players look off KP. That shit drove me insane. Why do? Why shouldn't he stand in the corner? If seriously, if players are going to look off our max contract player, they're making one point two million dollars. I'm sorry, they need to be fired off the freaking roster. I'm sorry, I, and I understand. I understand. Maybe, maybe he's in his own head, or he's saying, but I would say, John, too. If these guys can't pass, seriously, I feel like there's a movie with the Mavericks. It is the nine guys that can't that can't pass and Luka Doncic. Yeah, it was pretty because bad. There's nobody on our roster that can that can that can pass to the that can pass to a, a spot that he can get it in. We ain't got one guy that can get him where Dirk used to like to get, where he gets a curl up and shot. Where he comes out the corner. I mean, the only thing he ever got was a corner shot. I'm sitting here going, nobody can entry pass on this team at all. I mean, look at how many times Boban had the ball taken from him because they're passing to him at the hip. Like yeah. the man's over six. Well, I I very much agree with you about the passing and the the just the generalized looking off of KP. I think Luca took a little too much heat for it, but he's the star and it's fine. I'm not worried about Luca. But I'm it was about pretty one, wild. <laughs> there was I saw some like shot chart of like when Luca was off the floor in the shot distribution, and it was like KP was like second to last. And I mean that's not great. Absolutely, absolutely agree. Now my six fixes. First of all, don't give up on KP right now because you're not going to get any dang value for him. They got us trading him to the 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 Oklahoma City Thunder for like. Their, their bench player and some second rounder. I'm like, no, there's no freaking way. The second thing, okay, if I am Donnie Nelson, and, and I'll get into him in a minute, but uh, whoever's in charge, I don't care who it is, they need to meet with three players, and it's the Toronto three. I'm sorry, Norman Powell, DeMar DeRozan, and Kyle Lowry. And I don't really like DeRozan, but I'd like him if he brought along Kyle Lowry. And I would like it if DeRozan and Lowry were on a two-year contract that kind of matched up with each other to go and stick it to the Spurs and then Kyle Lowry coming over here to bring us some toughness and some actual defense. And then Norman Powell staying with us for four years because he could shoot, he could defend, he could come off the bench, he can actually stagger. We don't have any of those kind of players. Sure. My next picks is I love Rick Carlisle. Love him. But you just hit on him a minute ago. There's a disconnect between Carlisle and the modern-day players. There are too many times where I've watched Carlisle jettison players off the freaking map that, that other coaches go and get stuff out of. Let's get rid of Carlisle, and let's go to another Mavs legend and bring in Jason Kidd. Listen to all these NBA players that want to come and play for Jason Kidd. They Nobody wants to play for – do, do you want to know what happened, why, why Jason Kidd pulled out of that? Because a lot of players forget that he was involved in a domestic violence issue, incident and a drunk driving incident. I don't know if Jason Kidd will ever be a head coach again. It's very difficult. And the Mavs particularly cannot bring him in with some of the shit that that, that, that was uncovered with them in 2018. Yeah, I got that. 
However, if not him, then Chauncey Billups, one or the other. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It, it, it's time for us to go to a person that could connect with the players that could bring in superstars. Because it's not just it's not just your player on the court. You got to have a coach that players want to play for. Players want to play with Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups. They do. Hell, if you if you want to go back to a Maverick, go to Karan Butler. I mean, he's doing a great job over in L.A. And then my final would be Majari. Get rid of Donnie Nelson and bring in Najari. I am tired of listening to Donnie Nelson. We need a new voice in the office. We actually need somebody that, that actually can play your profile, that can sit here and go, oh, okay, these are the players. That's the reason why I'm away from Spencer Dinwiddie. It's not that he's not an incredible player. Hell, I watched Spencer Dinwiddie go and put up 50 points a game at some points. The guy on one point was like, what, he was scoring 29, 31 points? But he's injured almost every single year. Missouri can pick through the sand. And then he he turns – I mean, he got Kawhi Leonard to freaking Toronto, for God's sakes. This man, he's he's a GM, a true GM. And I'm tired of looking at Donnie Nelson. I'm tired of all this. And then my last thing, I think the reason why our Dallas media, and not just our Dallas media, but the independent media is so crazy, especially right now, is because all the L.A. teams are about to be put out of it. And they want us to give our freaking best players away to these LA teams to make their news relevant again. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I just, I'm dead serious. Like the media has a thing against small market teams. Giannis over John sure. Zion is going to pick up Luca. It's going to pick up. They don't say this crap when they're in LA because nobody wants them to leave LA because the NBA makes the most money when the Lakers, Miami, Golden State and Boston are good and everybody else gets trampled on. And, and, and that's just crap. And that's the one thing that Mark Cuban did in 2000 to change the entire league was to actually make it a more balanced league. And I'll give him credit for that. But it's time. GM, coach, and then these three players, they would give us toughness, shooting, actual freaking movement of the ball, and they'll stop looking off our max players. I watched in game six. Why was KP on the bench with like eight minutes left in the game? I- I'm sorry. I- I'm just looking at it. I'm like, we pay this man a hundred and what, what thirty six million dollars a year, and he's five and he's year hot. deal, yeah, and he's hot. He, he's dunking on everybody. He's actually shooting for once. He's going aggressive. I'm sitting here going, why is he still in the bench? What, what the, what the hell is going on, man? The coaching, I love Rick Carlisle. He just disconnects from players. He doesn't feel like fit his system. I'm sorry, man. The NBA isn't about a system anymore. It's a bunch of alphas. And they figure out a way to play together. Look at Brooklyn. Do you, are they playing a freaking system? No. You put the best players in the world together and you get the hell out of the way. Yeah, well, I love it. Thank you for bringing the heat as always, my guy. All right. I'm going to bring up Xavier again if he wants to try. So we'll, then we'll head on out of here because I am 30 minutes late for work. <laughs> um, Xavier, do you want to try again or no? Yeah, let's try. Nope, no audio. That's okay. We'll try another time. Guys, I hate it uh, that I, there's probably 10 of you that still want to come up. I'll try to do uh, another one of these next week. I have a couple of guests that I'd like to bring on uh, just for normal podcast stuff. Um, I'll keep doing these on Friday, and then maybe I'll try one during the week. Um, we'll figure you know, we'll figure this out. I'm, I'm enjoying the energy. This has been fun. 
you know, keep your, uh, keep your takes holstered. And, um, you know, I'm, I, let's just say that I think there's going to be some news that breaks next week. All right. I will, uh, actually, I don't know anything. What am I talking about? I just want there to be more for us to talk about. This has been a lot of fun and we will talk soon. This has been uh, radio free Mavericks first episode. We will talk to you later.